0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Tennis with an Accent. This is Sakib once again, hosting the show. The show is produced by our friends at Red Circle. Today, we have a guest who's been uh, you know, blogging about tennis for quite some time and uh, is a very known voice on Twitter. So let me bring in Karen Williams. How are you, Karen?
1: Hi, I'm good. Hi, Sadiq. Nice to meet you. Um, and thanks for having me. Um, you know, many people know me as the overhead spin with my, my, um, my irreligious stake on women's tennis. That's all I write about. Um, I've been doing it for about 10 years. And it used to be called Women's Tennis on TV, which, is, which was a little bit of a play because you couldn't find women's tennis on TV if you tried in 2009. Um, but um, I'm glad to see that we're on TV and people are clamoring for us now. So I'm glad to be here
0: tonight. No, you're absolutely right. Women's tennis has been, uh, at least for this U.S. Open, you know, we are today in quarterfinals and your women's tennis, it's fair to say, has overshadowed, you know, uh, in some ways uh, the men uh, at the Open and without doing a comparison, I don't want to get caught into this, but definitely the women's field has plenty to talk about. So, I don't know, where do we start? Do you want to start with the, the Naomi Osaka, Coco Goff well,
1: let, let, let's, let's talk about, about the core golf. Golf, You yeah. know, golf mania, Coco mania. <laughs> you know, it's, it's always good for a sport or for, for, for any endeavor when you see what the future holds. And the future of women's tennis is bright. And before even Coco came along, I was impressed with what was coming through the ranks, through the juniors, um, Yastrzemskaya, yeah, Kenin, um, you know, so many young, talented, you know, women. Anisamova, Alexandrova, just the way how they are playing with poise and, you know, passion and, you know, there's just no fear. You know, they, you know, we saw Kenin at the French Open against Serena, and whether Serena was hampered or not, the fact remains that Kenin played lights tennis. Same thing with Andrescu who I'm watching the match with her and um, and Mertens right now. And the quarterfinal, we look at, you know, Belinda Benchik, who has made such a fantastic return to women's tennis after suffering these really horrible injuries. So you know, the future of the sport on the women's side is bright. There's lots of upside, lots to love, lots to lots to tune in and watch. And as I always tell people on my blog and, you know, in the tennis Twitter, get yourself a WTA TV subscription. You will not regret it.
0: No, very, very well said. I mean, that's uh, definitely the names you took. And then we haven't even talked about some of the established champions. A very healthy looking tour. Yeah, there's not maybe a dominant player, but that could be a good problem because it's so exciting. Matt Zemeck, who's a common connection here, uh, he wrote for our website and he said he has no clue who's going to win this tournament and that's the way it's shaping up. Of course, Serena mm-hmm. is, you know, like the big favorite whenever she's around. But even the last three slam finals she's appeared in, the results have gone, you know, not as expected. So mm-hmm. let's go back to Coco Goff, what you were talking about, Corey Goff, like the whole, uh, the hype, you know, it's very genuine. Uh, the kid can definitely play. So,
1: yes, she can.
0: So this is more like yes, a fan yes, to a fan question. Needs- <laughs> no, let me... She
1: she spo- she, spoils. she she hits with she has game um, she has a really good head on her shoulders and it looks as if she has a really good team behind her. Um, I, I I'm not buying into the the scheduling issue which has you know come to the forefront about allowing her to play more than the WTA allows. I think they need to keep that rule. We don't want to see the burnout that happens. The 15 and 16-year-old protégés, we don't want, I mean, it would be good to have them. We have Coco, we we see what she looks like, but give her time to grow. Let her finish high school. Let her, you know, develop the angst of teenagers before we cast her into the spotlight and make her the quintessential savior of women's tennis or the savior of U.S. tennis. I think, you know, having her play, continuing to play a limited schedule is the right way to go. And I'm hoping that her team, you know, is not blinded by what she can do because, you know, injuries have sidelined so many, you know, players in the past, you know, players that you, you see them in the juniors and then you're wondering, well, well whatever happened to so-and-so? You know we only have to look at the the hurricane and the tornado and tornado and what happened to them. There were also young proteges, young u s players who had so much potential, and we saw what happened to them. You know we look at Taylor Townsend, who is just now finding her game and finding her way back you know from the depths of the sport. so we you know we you know we need to give these young women time to develop and their bodies to grow. As a woman myself, I can tell you that at 15, 16, I was not as poised as these young women. I was not as sure of myself. But I had all the anxieties of teenage, of young teenage girls. And I think we should allow them to, you know, continue to do what they're doing on a limited schedule, not much of the spotlight, until they are big enough to come onto the main tour and compete. That being said... I, <laughs> it's so funny. I had a conversation with um, a huge tennis fan of mine um, who's on another podcast. And we were talking right about the, about Wimbledon. And one of the things that I suggested to her, and I was supposed to do a blog post about this, was having a junior tour that would run alongside the senior store. And what this junior tour would do would allow young people like Coco Gough to play, possibly a full schedule with ranking points, but only amongst her peers. And it would go for the men's side as well. So they travel the whole season and they play a full schedule, but their, their matches can be shorter, but they get prize money, they get ranking points, and after playing on the junior tour for, say, call it two years, from age 14 to age 16, those ranking points will then go towards them transitioning into the senior tour with those ranking points, and they can build from that. It was just a thought, just to see, just to let the younger players see what it's like to travel day in and day out on a strict schedule with a regimen similar to what they senior players have to go through.
0: No, I think it's a very interesting thought, and that's uh, kind of my next question. I wanted to feel and get your opinion. Is uh, One, uh, I think, thing that you said is, you know, we have to be careful with these young talents, you know, uh, even in the tennis community. Uh, A lot of people were saying, you know, even Mackenzie was saying, if Coco doesn't win, that's not the worst thing against Osaka because in her long-term development, uh, and whatnot, that can be good. But uh, something that just not bothered me, but I'm, I'm not too sure how y- your view is, ESPN uh, maximise anything or everything on Coco. One, and they're saying, you know, the U.S. Open is trying to minimize her media interviews so she doesn't feel the pressure. And they're trying to just put all her matches, doubles, and there's like so much coverage which is good, but I, I I sometimes think it's like, you know, have the golden goose syndrome, you just go for it. And I don't know if you felt that way, I think. Uh, uh, and it happened the same always... with Denis Shapovalov two years ago when the U.S. Open didn't have Djokovic and one half of the draw was depleted and Shapovalov had just come from Montreal. They were just putting him in mm-hmm. center court, talking all about him, which it cannot be bad, but I just sometimes think there needs to be a balance, your views on that.
1: That tennis... Tennis does nothing better than kill its, kill its golden goose, geese. It's, it's, it's known for that. It's what it does. And and it's it's all about the current. It's all about the now. It's never about the future. And we saw that with Jack Sock, when Jack Sock just came on the scene. We saw that a little bit with Sloan Stevens. We saw that with Madison Keys. It's what it does because they're looking for, they're always looking for the next big champion. They don't allow these players to develop. As for Coco, it's a 2 it's a double-edged sword. The interest is there. The interest is there and I think it, it comes across from, you know, from her debut at Wimbledon. When you go on to a main shore court at Wimbledon and you take down a legend like Venus Williams. The world sits up and takes sits up and takes notice. That's the bottom line. If she had even if she had beaten Serena, it would have even been a bigger um, event. She would have been on every single morning show. Everything. That's 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 what it is, <laughs> you know. And um, her match against Osaka was a huge affair. Here you have Naomi Osaka. Um, you know, current, you know, girl number one, you know, young lady and, you know, the rehashing of what happened last year. I know you have Coca-Guff, the, the, the face of women's tennis, the future of women's tennis going up against each other. It's an advertiser's dream and it's a network's dream. You know, of course, they're going to exploit it. That's that's what that's what they do. That's what they sell to advertisers, you know, and it, it comes back to what? Marian Bartoli said, Marian Bartoli said, you know, with the tour moving from where it is now and going to China for money, you know, they're just chasing the money because there's nothing else that the tour has to sell. The tour has something to sell. They're just not marketing it in the right way. You have Naomi, you know, there are no rivalries as you, you know, that is there. And that is probably what ESPN was trying to drum up a rivalry, but a friendly rivalry. Here you have a young, brash, big hitting Osaka, and going up against this young, you know, wonderful, well spoken, you know, um, teenager who is hitting the ball well, who's doing all these great things for women's tennis and everything. Come out and see. Come and see what we have to offer. And and, you know, you, you can't blame them because. When you look at the flip side, everything else is boring. I mean, this match between Andrescu and Mertens is as boring as it comes. I'm not even going to lie. It is boring. And
0: hmm. that's you kind know? of interesting. So I'll get to the boringness or the potential <laughs> of uh, Bianca a little later. But uh, what he just said is pretty important. Uh, you know, when you have someone uh, who is a prodigy and the network's dream. And sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, you know, they have to learn to deal with it because uh, wherever Coco goes from now on, she is in the spotlight and at mm-hmm. a very young age. Some would say mm-hmm. she's, you know, made for this, but at a very young age, she would have to put blinders on and also focus on her tennis. So let's do a mm-hmm. contrast with uh, Taylor Townsend, who's still pretty young, mm-hmm. but she's been in the news for like quite some time. If someone follows tennis, her talent, her volleying mm-hmm. skills has been talked about, but it took mm-hmm. her a long time coming at this US Open so I don't know how closely have you followed her journey? Uh, talk about this U.S. Open run win over Hallep and what does this mean for her, that she's kind of coming well, in the box office at the age of 22.
1: It, it was, what was a, a beautiful, beautiful moment. As a full-figured woman myself, you know, we can't talk about Taylor Towson without first talking about what the USTA did to her in 2012 and the comments by Patrick McEnroe about her weight, And the fact that they declined to give her a wild card or travel expenses or anything to enter the U.S. Open in 2012, because according to them, they were concerned about her weight. At the time that this happened, she was the number one junior, not in the U.S. She was the number one junior in the world. And for her to be fat shamed like that on an international stage, was something that I don't think she will ever forget. The fact that she ended up playing challenger events, and you know, one of the most humiliating things. You know, people laugh about it, but it's not funny. Here is Taylor Townsend, a talented young woman, a talented young woman of color, with a with a versatile game, a game that you know is barely ever played on the on, on either men's or women's tour. Playing a 69 year old woman in a challenger match in order to qualify for some other event. I can't imagine what Taylor went through. Taylor Townsend and Eugenie Bouchard were from the same era. They played against each other. The first time I saw Taylor play, she was playing against Eugenie Bouchard, I think, in the semifinals of Junior Wimbledon in 2012 and look at look at Eugenie Bouchard and where she got to and look at Taylor Townsend who's just now getting to where she needed to be a few years ago i don't even think taylor has a clothing sponsor and i can't imagine that you know people talk about her game and you know what she's doing now etc without realizing that she had to fight tooth and nail to be where she is now and she had to work hard for that. Hmm.
0: No, that's uh, that's kind of very poignant. Uh, and, you know, that sometimes we knew, like, uh, the struggles that surrounded uh, Taylor Townsend. But uh, it's kind of coming of age, the U.S. Open for her. And uh, let's more elaborate on her game style. Everybody's in love with this coming forward game style. Do you think this is a game style that can serve her well in the long run? Because she's the <sighs> few attacking players, or you think that's more like an anomaly. Uh, a lot of uh, pe- a lot of players in the tour don't know how to deal with that style. What's your take on you know the well, serving I, body? I, I,
1: can't I can't tell, tell it that. you that. I, I watched the the Cer- match from beginning to end, and you know, Cer- Sarsia was doing the right things in the first three or four games of the first set, and she just got broke down. with uh, with trying to come up with passing shots every single time. Unfortunately, I don't believe that that game style is going to be sustainable in today's tennis. One, racket and string technology, as we saw when she played Andrescu, is just not going to... It doesn't allow for that. The returns are too good. Balls are too heavy. The string technology that gives so much power to the shots. Almost every return that Andreescu hit against Townsend was at her feet. And so it, it's hard for her to bend low and get the ball up and over the net. She has to use it as a mix it up, a, a mix up type to her game, not constantly coming in up behind every single shot. It's just not sustainable. In my my opinion. opinion.
0: But she had a good win over Simona Halep, so maybe uh, that's the kind of template she needs to work on where she's staying on the baseline and then coming and, you know, picking her spot. She came to the net 100 times, but...
1: 105 times. That's how how much time. time. That's how many times she had to come to the net to beat one player on a medium-slow hard court because the U.S. Open is playing so slow.
0: Yeah, US Open has become a different tournament since they put this roof on. And, uh, of course, you know, as fans, we hear and talk about this on Twitter and listen to commentators with the balls being heavy. Even Djokovic was saying the tournament's playing, I think, a little slower this year. And it becomes yeah, it a different is. tournament at night uh, and day because of, uh, I guess, the mugginess and the slowness. That
1: uh, You can see, I mean, the, the, the match tonight, you know, it... Even the match last night with Federer and Dimitrov, the ball was just barely making it through the courts. And they were hitting the ball really hard and the ball was traveling so slow. You know, these these are the kinds of things that, you know, that tennis needs to pay attention to. Either you have fast courts or you, you, you reverse the technology on strings and rackets and that kind of thing because... This, you know, a few years ago, John McEnroe, you know, I know a lot of people don't really like listening to John McEnroe, but sometimes he does have some genuine information to share about tennis. And it was during the rain when Samantha Stosa was playing when she was at her peak, which is about 2010, 2011. And she was playing the French Open against Francesca Schiavone. But before she played that final, um, I was watching one of her matches and John McEnroe was doing the commentary. And he said that as a result, somebody asked him in the booth, how is it that Stosur can generate so much topspin on her shots and her serve, her second serve, can kick so high and he said that it is as a, as a result of the strings that are in her racket. And he said, but that is not sustainable, because at some point, she's going to start developing shoulder issues, and she's going to start developing wrist issues, and she's going to start developing a whole lot of issues with her joints, etc. And so said, so done. Stosser has never been the same since 2011. She has been... Beset with injuries. The same thing with Madison Keys. Madison Keys has a big serve. Her, she kicks her second serve so high because of the rackets, the strings that she's using. Madison Keys suffers so much from all kinds of shoulder problems, and this is what is destroying the talent that is in the sport. It's, it's the technology, it's, it's not. Performance-driven even more anymore, but technology-driven. The slow hard courts. The, I mean, they've even slowed down Wimbledon. It, it, it makes for and,
0: and it's it's really worse. it's really interesting, Karen, what you just said because I was at the New Haven tournament a couple of years ago and uh, we were in the media room and we were talking to Vanska, and before that was I think Radbarkova. And uh, one of the players said, it's the balls. Every week, the tour has different balls, almost every <laughs> stop. And that sometimes doesn't get talked about because of the control and sometimes maybe even injuries because, you know, you're hitting with so many different balls. I don't know. And that sometimes does add to to the level of slowness, especially when we're talking U.S. Open, because the balls are really fluffy during the night, <laughs> night sessions uh, because of hum- the humidity, and it uh, becomes even a heavier ball to hit.
1: And, and then you have to tighten your strings or you're loosening your strings, and then you have to hit through the ball it's it's i mean tennis is destroying its 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 greatest assets which are its players but you know i i I don't think I answered your question as it relates to um the moment I think you had asked me that question about um the moment between Osaka and Coco golf and <laughs> When it happened, I had two thoughts and I shared them with a friend of mine. Um, I said it was a really nice aha moment, but at the same time, it felt, I didn't like how Coco was forced to stand there and, 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 and show her emotions to the crowd. Crying is a very personal thing, and she's only, people forget that she's still a child. Here she is, she just got walloped on Arthur Ashe Stadium before a roaring crowd of over, what, 15, 20,000 people? And then you're going to ask me to stand there for what? So that you can, you know, say nice things about me and nice things about my parents. Was not a nice, It was not a. It, to me, it wasn't. And it wasn't something that needed to be done.
0: So you think that was staged, or that was more spontaneous? Because a lot of people think. Uh, <sighs> I mean, I I, 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 I'm of mixed emotions. I mean, I see where you're coming from, but at that <laughs> moment, it seemed pretty genuine because I don't think Osaka knew anything better, and I think the intent was really <laughs> genuine.
1: I, I, I don't know. I, I, yeah. I just, I just didn't. I. I'm sure it came from a place of genuineness for Osaka. I'm sure it did. It just did not come across. I don't like when people are forced to do things that they don't want to do. And Coco did did not want want to be on that stage. She wanted to go and lick her wounds in private, probably go to her mother and get a hug and cry in private rather than crying in front of millions of people because they just got your ass moped
0: hmm, that's definitely an interesting take and I'm sure uh, this will uh, draw some engagement uh, from the listeners. <laughs> no which is good I mean that, that's what we're here for it's it's an open honest discussion and
1: uh,
0: yeah. let's, let's move on to something else that you said interesting few minutes ago the Mertens Mar- the and Rescu boring match is it just the players you find boring or the contest is boring shed some light on that
1: um it could have been better. It could have been it wasn't fought with passion. I, I lie and, and this is what is missing from women's tennis. There's no passion. They, you know, people just just go there hitting balls one to another. Love him or hate him. Novak Djokovic brings passion. Rafael Nadal, passion. Serena Williams. Brings passion. You know, one of the things that people spoke about at this US Open was Venus Williams' passion on the court, on every point, fighting for every point. That's what people come to see. I I you know, this thing that the WTA is 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 um championing that we're all friends and we all hold hands and saying Kumbaya. No. I I I want to see. That feistiness, because when I started watching tennis, that's what I saw, the competitiveness. Why Why do you think people tune in to a Serena Sharpova match? People tune in because of the passion from these two women. Sharpova knows she's never going to win again. Serena knows she's never going to lose to her again. But it's the fight, it's the battle that people come out to see. The fist bumps, the stare downs, the walking around, the shouting, come on at each other. That's what people want to see. Nobody wants to see all these niceties and, you know, holding up your hand. You know, when I was thinking about coming on and talking with you this evening, I thought about putting And You may not like her. You know, she has some really... You know, he is a very unsportsmanlike conduct a lot of the times. But you can't call Putin savant nothing else but passionate about what she does.
0: So it's our, let, yeah. let me ask you this, <laughs> uh, just to add this. So in your view, uh, Bianca lacks passion, or is just a game that doesn't resonate <laughs> because a lot of people find she's, Bianca to be pretty emotional.
1: She's more dramatic than passionate. I see. <laughs> she's more. She's she's more drama ridden. And, you know, one could even say that she's a little bit unsportsmanlike. And, you know, Mertens was just, she was trying. She was really trying to convey how much she wanted this. But this is a match that Mertens should have won. She really should have won this match in straight sense. You have an opponent who can barely walk, barely walk, who is taking sips of water in between and you don't go for the jugular, and that's that's another thing. Last night Serena could have eased up, six one, you know, I'm I'm in control, double break. She could have allowed the girl another game, you no, know, but she didn't. She went for the jugular, and that's and that's what you know. That's what I like to see with these women. You know, I want to see you go out there and beat somebody like they stole something from you. And play, and play passionately. Not telling you to do like what Priscova did and you know assault the poor chair umpires, chair. But play with passion. Play as if you know engage me, because you're there for my for my entertainment. It's your job, but you're entertaining me at the same time. And if I'm bored watching you, nobody else is gonna tune in.
0: No, that's, that's very well said, Karen. So on that note, let's talk more about the U.S. Open. Uh, are there any other players besides Taylor Townsend and uh, I, the Coco Gauff story a, that have
1: impressed you? Not, I am absolutely loving, loving that Melinda Benchik, Benchik made it through to the semifinals today. I love her game. I find her passion to be refreshing. I'm sorry that Yastremska didn't make it, but Svitolina has been playing very well. Um Kvitova was a little bit of a disappointment. So was Pliskova. I'm, I'm trying to figure out what's going on with Pliskova. Um, so many opportunities, you know. I, I, I just don't know. You know, she's had cha- coaching changes. Her serve, even though you know they, you know people talk about the fact that it's a it's a really good serve and that she has the most aces, etc. When the going gets tough, it tends to go away. And I'm a little bit concerned about that because once her serve is on, you know, Pishkova is basically unbeatable. But, you know, I look at Wozniacki, who just could not keep it together. I'm not quite sure whether it's the rheumatoid arthritis that's acting up. As a Renka, she really needs to get her ranking up. And if it means playing more international events so she can get the competition. I'm glad she's playing doubles, but her draw was tough. You know, getting Sabalenka in the first round was not something that anybody would have wished for her, but she had that match on her racket and she lost it. Sabalenka is going down with a following win. I'm not quite sure what's going on with her. Um, You know, she split with her coach. But even before the split with her coach, her serve has gone downhill. Um, and that fight that she usually has, it's there, but it's just not as potent as it was she's making. But the game is just not there. Halep is clearly carrying an injury, so is Osaka. And um all the rest of the year so for the Kerber, Kerber, despite the coaching changes, doesn't seem to be on the way up. She seems to be just going down, 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 and I'm not quite sure. I didn't see the one match that she played. I didn't even see that. cuz blinked and you missed it. So is Mugaruta. Really? Slipped with coach. Not quite sure who's coaching her right now. game has been in. And these are the these are the young women who should should be the future, who should be contending with each other for big titles, who should be at the latter stages of these events. And they're around. And you just don't know what is... I mean, the biggest disappointment to me for this US Open was Kiki Burtons. As a matter of fact, Kiki Burtons has been a constant source of disappointment at the, at the big events. She's just not turning up. She's just not showing. And I'm not quite sure whether it's, you know, fatigue, injury, you know, but you look at her and it's like she's being outplayed every single time. No, It's, so. it's
0: funny. I, I met her coach in uh, Toronto and I had an interview with Ramon Sluder and he said something that Kiki's been a top player for just over a little, little over a year and she's still dealing with the pressures to be a top player. She says she's someone who's more comfortable playing on the outside coach, but I think your observation is spot on. She's still struggling with an identity to be a so top she, player. So
1: she, oh, okay. So that's that's her challenge.
0: Yeah. So one name that you haven't uh, spoken I, I, about yet I, I, is Ash Barty. From female the
1: On Ash Barty. I... I don't know that I'd buy. Here you have 15 year old Coco Golf, who is being marketed as the future of women's tennis, who is rising to the occasion. Yeah? There she is going out there playing on the biggest stages in tennis against top players and doing her thing. And then you have established professionals who win a slam or get to the top ten, and all of a sudden they're talking about feeling the pressure of the moment. Something is wrong there. there. Something, is, something, is, something is off
0: there. Are we talking I, I don't, about Ashley Bardi? I, I or? honestly
1: don't get Correct?
0: Are we talking about Ashley Bardi or are we talking about Burton's?
1: Well, I, I think Ash, Honestly, I think Ashley Bardi has done very well. I think she has done very well. She has, and I think one of the reasons why Ashley Barty has done very well is because of her the, the low keyness of her personality. She is, you know, because you know Ashley Barty was heralded as a future as the future of women's tennis years ago, and one of the reasons why she has such a fantastic backhand slice is because she worked with Justine Enna who had one of the best single-handed backhand slices on tour. And so for her slice to be the way it is and for her game to be the way it is, is because it's mother that, uh, after a player who had a fantastic all-around game. Now, that being said, you know, Ashley took a break from tennis, as you know, went and did other things. So this is, she is, the consummate athlete. She's good at everything. And so maybe that's the reason why she feels no pressure. She goes, she wins the French Open convincingly. Then she goes and she, you know, gets um, a good result at Wimbledon, gets like, you know, social results during the, the US summer hardcore swing and, uh, you know, a meh result at the US Open. But you don't see her beating herself up about it. You know, she she is, she is knows what went wrong. She knows how to fix it. And I'm sure when she gets down to, you know, Australia and starts the new season, we will see a refreshed and revived Barty again. But the others, you know, I, I just don't know. I honestly don't know. What
0: do you think? No, I think uh, it's a long season and uh, you're spot on. And some, some names that you have uh, expectation, like definitely I'm a fan of Garvinia Muguruza's game, but I don't know where that game is at right now. There, it's been a long time coming. We haven't seen it perform. Svitolina, you know, beefed up her serve and she definitely uh, is still in the tournament and is uh, looking good. I think Johanna Konta had a good tournament. Uh, we should give a shout-out to her as well. But... Uh, Yeah, I mean, there's always, I think, in this kind of a scenario when there's so many names who can contend or so many names who can be a factor. I think it's also like musical chairs. Some will be out of favor for the form. Some would be out of favor with an injury. Uh, But overall, I think, yeah, some of the names that you have uh, given kudos to, like the Osaka's and the Bardi's and Coco Goff's for various reasons, I'm on the same page as well. I think they definitely, you know, uh, have delivered in in more ways uh, than others. So I
1: know, uh, go ahead. But, but you know, as I'm listening to you talk, you know, the flip side, you know, one of the things that people, one of the reasons why I love, and this might sound like a contradiction. One of the reasons why I love women's tennis is the unexpectedness of it. You, are, you literally have no idea who's going to win a tournament, no matter who is in the draw. You, you really don't, and and I like that. You know, your draw sheets come out, and you look at it, and you're like, oh, number one, two seed, number two seed. And then on the semifinal and finals day, you see some complete random, and you're like, who? But it exposes you to so many new players. You know, what? meanwhile, on the men's tour, you know, you have three guys. It used to be four. You have three guys who win everything. And, you know, when somebody random wins something or gets somewhere like Medvedev, who has made it to, I don't even know, he's in the semifinals, you know, you're like, huh? And people are of the view that he can't win. While we are thinking, you know, we know that Svetalina can beat Serena because she's done it before. We know Barty can, we know Benchy can beat Serena because she's done it before. And we know Andreescu has the game to beat Serena because she was taking it to her in Toronto before Serena retired. So all four women that are left in this U.S. Open can win that tournament. And that's the beauty of women's tennis. Meanwhile, on the men's side, we already know that Rafa is going to win. Because there's just nobody else left in the draw who can beat him.
0: <laughs> I think that could be a very good way to sign up. I know, Karen, you have tennis to watch and uh, we got a lot out of this conversation. But yeah, that's where okay. the two tours stand. And I kind of, I, I think overwhelmingly agree that the women's tennis, you know, more than few can win. And a lot of times you don't know who's going to win. Uh, <laughs> and, and let's see, you know, how this holds true to form in a couple of days when the tournament is decided. But thanks for coming on the podcast. I enjoyed the conversation. Uh, hopefully the yes. listeners will have a lot to say. And uh, yes. should, we should do this again. Thank, thanks for coming to yes, the podcast. definitely.
1: Karen. Okay, thanks for having me. Bye.